welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. I'm Jeremiah Johnson. Welcome into a verse-by-verse edition with Rick Maynard. If you're a part of the Grace Point Daily Podcast, once a week, we take one episode in a verse-by-verse edition as Rick takes us through the Word of God. It's a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. Let's dive right in, Rick. Okay, we are starting on uh, verse 40 of the first chapter of 1 Kings. But uh, I want to say just a couple things I didn't finish up last week. We were talking about the anointing uh, of the priest and of the king. Uh, There were different regulations for the uh, high priest because the high priest uh, is anointed or basically chosen on his own merit. So, you know, a king, um, we don't like to say that we like to take credit for the things that we do, but there are some things that were strictly based on Uh, not the will of God necessarily. I mean, it is the will of God who's going to be the priest, but he got to be priest because he was a pious, religious, uh, knew the law, knew the Torah, all those kinds of things is where he became, where the king basically is appointed by God. Uh, The descendant of the king is supposed to be uh, the next king. Um, So it was an inherited thing as a king. Uh, even though God had it planned. And we can say, well, that's not God. If it's just uh, the guy's next son that's in line, then that's not really God. Well, do we think God's limited by, you know, time? And he didn't know who their son was going to be. And, you know, it was all a big surprise to God. God knows what's coming. And so he put things uh, in, in place. So uh, in verse 40, And all the people went up after him playing flutes, rejoicing greatly so that the ground shook with the sound. So they're talking about uh, Solomon becoming king after Adonijah had tried on his own. Solomon is becoming king because of uh, the way things should be. So, uh, and, uh, you know, I thought uh, several people have mentioned this to me about how all of this is very political today. You can look at how this all relates to the way uh, things should be. And, you know, during that time, it was, they were rejoicing in what Solomon, that Solomon was going to be the king, even though they didn't know what he was going to do. He didn't stand up and have a platform, you know, okay, now I want to be king and I promise you that I'm going to lower your taxes and, you know, I'm going to have free health care for everyone. You know, Solomon didn't have a platform. He didn't have to campaign to be the king, but the people rejoiced at that. I mean, it's such a, a difference in today's world where people are mad. Well, we need to get rid of the electoral. Well, the only reason they want to do that is because the guy they right. wanted didn't get in. Yes. You know, if it was the other way around, oh no, we, you know, the electoral is the way to, the way to do it. But there was no Republicans. There was no Democrats. Uh, they trusted in God. They trusted in the prophets. They trusted in David. They trusted the Sanhedrin or the court. Uh, they all have their trust in that and they're rejoicing and marching down the streets in the fact that Solomon's going to be the king. I mean, wouldn't it be awesome <laughs> if we could have that? Yeah. I mean, well, that's what I was going to say is it'll be interesting. I, I, I'm sure we probably won't have to adjust. It'll be supernatural, but we're not used to living in a kingdom as right. American right. Christians. That's right. But God has a kingdom. Right. <laughs> well, and I, I was thinking this morning about... Uh, this fact that we had all these kings, you know, that were named all down through the ages. And, you know, the thought kind of crossed my mind. It's like, well, when did that end? And really it hasn't because Jesus yeah. 
is the king of the kingdom. The kingdom is in heaven now, so we don't we may not have the kings living here on earth like like yeah. we did, but there's been a throne that's yeah. established now. It's uh, forever in in what we have now. So anyway, verse 41, Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they were finishing their feast. On hearing the sound of the trumpet, Joab asked, what's the meaning of all the noise in the city? So they all heard this. Uh, Joab, I'm sure, is beginning to get nervous and and think, uh, you know, maybe he's familiar with that sound of rejoicing over a new king. And I'm sure he's probably thinking at this time, um, you know, we're in trouble. I mean, this doesn't look good. We thought it was headed our way, and the sound out there is probably not something that we want to hear. In other words, they're not stomping their feet and playing their flutes and all that stuff for Adonijah. You know, we're in trouble. So verse 42, even as he was speaking, Jonathan, son of Abiathar, the priest, arrived. Adonijah said, come in, a worthy man like you must be bringing good news. So, you know, he's trying to think positively here. You know, there's something something good here. And I, I tried to think what kind of a man, and we, we probably don't think about it as women, but I thought, you know, uh, in, in the case of Stella, if Stella, you know, she's pretty soft-spoken and, and, you know, if she came in and said, Pastor, I, I need to tell you something, you would probably think maybe it was, you know, good news because she's, you know, soft-spoken and, you know, surely she wouldn't be coming in here with this horrible news and, and coming in here to reprimand you for something that you had done. As long as she didn't say, I have some concerns. Yes, <laughs> I have some concerns. And there are some people, I don't want to mention any names. There are other, everybody thinks this, you know, that's kind of the way that you approach that sometimes. But, you know, so uh, maybe uh, when Jonathan comes in, uh, he thinks because he's this guy that usually brings good news, you know, he's not the bearer of bad news. He's not the prophet, you know. So, um, you know, does Adonijah really believe there's good news? He has to know that something's going on. He took a risk in, in what he had done here. Uh, surely Jonathan's bringing good news. He's not your common messenger. Uh, he's, he probably has a little too much optimism or is trying to think positively. But Jonathan says in verse 43, not at all. Jonathan answered, our Lord King David has made Solomon king. Uh, should be good news, but it's bad news right. for Adonijah. And I, <laughs> I was thinking about this in, in the terms, and it's really funny because just last night, I think our phones listen to us. Yes, you know, they do. And Everything's so, listening to us. Yeah. And so last night <laughs> I was talking about uh, this very thing about good news, bad news. And if you remember the old hee-haw, you know, when he would sit down in the chair and, and uh, the barber would begin to tell him a story and he would say, oh, that's bad. He'd say, no, that's good. Mm. And he'd say something, he'd say, well, that's good. No, that's bad. <laughs> you know, and it was this whole back and forth banter between the two of them. Uh, and so I was on my phone last night and that episode of Hee Haw came up, <laughs> you know, the little clip. So uh, good news, bad news here. But uh, verse 44 and 45, the king has sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, the Carathites and the Pelathites, and they have put him on the king's mule. And Zadok, 
priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king of Gihon. From there they have gone up cheering and the city resounds with it. That's the noise you hear. So the fear of Adonijah that comes and there's in the Mishnah and some of the Jewish writings it says, who is strong? He who controls his desires, as it says, he who is slow to anger is better than he who is mighty and he who controls his desires than one who conquers a city. Adonijah could have, should have controlled his desires in this situation to become king. Um, and they have been so careful to make sure that they, what we would say is cross their eyes and dot or cross their T's and dot yeah. their I's uh, in this. They brought Zadok, who's the priest. They brought Nathan, who's the prophet. Ben-Ai represents the Sanhedrin, which is the legal part of it. The Carathites and the Pelathites are the king's army, so they're standing with him. They put him on the king's mule. We talked about that uh, before, about uh, only the king rides on the king's mule. And I, I don't know if we mentioned this before, but I just thought that was really cool with Easter coming up that it talks about Jesus yeah. riding in on the, yeah. on the mule, you know. Uh, they've, they've, uh, it's at Gihon, which is a spring of running water, which always symbolized the, uh, that something would go on forever as the running water. Uh, they've anointed him, so they've, they've done everything that they were supposed to do in uh, anointing the king. So uh, they left no loopholes for somebody to come back and say, okay, well, I know you did this, and I know, but you didn't put him on the mule. Yeah. Or I know you did everything else, but you know what? The priest wasn't there. You know. I wonder so. if there's a lot of confusion with the people. I mean, obviously the people are there cheering and mm. chanting, but you know, I wonder if they were getting it. You know, because there was obviously right. Adonijah. People were cheering and excited mm-hmm. about that, and now they're transitioning to this different. Yeah, would have been interesting dynamics. For yeah, sure. you wonder. You wonder how many Adonijah had. You know, I mean, was it enough? I mean, it had to be enough that he was encouraged in thinking that you know he had enough people with him to be the king he declared himself king so he must have had a pretty good following and uh, you know it makes you wonder I would imagine most of these people got very fearful when they heard that Solomon uh, has become king and it doesn't say they're trying to make him king or whatever Uh, it says they have anointed him king Uh, Verse 46, moreover, Solomon has taken his seat on the royal throne. In other words, if all those other things weren't enough, you know, they got Zadok and Nathan and all these guys that have showed up. uh, The the wording there really says, if that weren't enough, not only all those things, but now he is actually sitting on the royal throne. Um, So there's nothing else left to do. Uh, they have done everything necessary to make him the king. So, uh, verse 47, 48. Also, the royal officials have come to congratulate our Lord King David, saying, May your God make Solomon's name more famous than yours and his throne greater than yours. And the king bowed in worship on his bed and said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has allowed my eyes to see a successor on my throne today you know again if all that weren't enough the royal officials now come to congratulate so uh, it's more than just those things there's something else now so he he not only has the support of those who are required but the royal officials begin to show up 
Um, you know, again, in our culture of politics and all of those, we have so many fighting that, you know, it's not like the royal officials show up to congratulate the guy that got president. Um, I, you know, regardless of what you think about the presidency now, I love the morning that they announced the Trump because I loved watching all those people stumble over their words. Right. <laughs> everybody knew he was yeah. not going to be the president. I mean, yes. it was just right, right. <laughs> uh, they had counted him out, and I loved to see him. You know, they didn't know what to say. Right. And uh, uh, but I thought, wouldn't it have been amazing if they had said, you know, our guy didn't get it, but we're going to support this guy and congratulations to, you know, to the new president. But it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> no. you know? And, our, and it's probably not going to. If anything, it's probably going to be um, worse. But Adonijah really has nothing left to hope for. Uh, it's a done deal. So, uh, and, I, you know, we mentioned this again last week, too, but uh, it says uh, the throne, uh, Solomon's name will be more famous than yours and his throne's greater than yours. So uh, we all want, um, you know, our sons, or we should want our sons to be, more famous, more um, well-known, more respected uh, than even we are. And I, I just wrote, I wrote this down. It's just kind of an addition to what we're talking to. I said, uh, no one gets excited when someone says he was the second greatest man alive. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, well, they don't care about that. Who was first? You know, that's what they, um, when you have a top 10 countdown, Nobody's waiting for number two. Yeah. You know, you start at 10, and it's interesting that these people made the top 10 list, but we're waiting to see who's number one yeah. in those situations. Um, so, you know, and and the, the amazing thing about David is what he says, um, he doesn't say, I did this, you know, I got the right people together. I put this all together. I put him on the mule. I put him on the throne. You know, David, this is why it goes back to what we say over and over again. David is a man after God's own heart. With all he's done wrong in his life and all the mistakes he's made, he doesn't make a mistake here. Um, But it says he bowed in worship on his bed and said, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, So he's praising him for the kingdom. But then he says, who has allowed my eyes to see a successor on my throne today. Um, When we read in Hebrews, we read about all the people who didn't get to see the promise. Mm -hmm. You know, all the promises made. They died before the promise happened. But that's what took faith is when... You live your whole life and God has made a promise, but you never get to see it, Mm -hmm. but you die still believing. Yes. And that's what's so amazing about all those guys. Yes. That they believed in spite of the fact. And that's what's so hard for all of us is, you know, we have those promises and, you know, we're looking for someone's healing. We're looking for deliverance. We're looking for all kinds of things. And sometimes, you know, we die and maybe don't get to see our children saved. You know, the thing that we've been praying for. But we have faith up and up until death. You know, uh, the saddest thing would be for a man, I think, to pray for, say, to pray for his children his whole life, 
and he's laying on his deathbed and he says, I guess God never heard me. You know, to die bitter because God didn't answer my prayer. You know, to say the words, you know, maybe the family's gathered around. I mean, basically, you'd be saying the words, um, you know, you guys don't need to pray. I've prayed my whole life for this to happen. You know, and I'm 90 years old and it never happened. So I guess God doesn't answer prayer. You know, tell my wife and kids and family, hey, you don't need to pray. Mm -hmm. So uh, that would be a sad reflection. But all those guys died probably on their deathbed saying, you guys need to keep looking. (laughs) You know, keep looking for the promise because God promised. I'm not going to get to see it, but you guys keep looking. And so David thanks God that he was allowed to see that happened before he died, that he was allowed to, uh, you know, maybe David was worried about Adonijah, and then what he was worried about began to happen, and God let him live long enough to see um, the right thing happen. I'll give a shout out to our our new general superintendent, Doug Clay of the Sons of God. He told a really cool story. He uh, grew up in a Christian family. His dad was a pastor. Uh, but his dad died when he was like 10 years old, 9 years old, 8 years old. He was very young, of a heart attack. His mother never remarried, but was faithful to raise him in the Lord. And the church was really pivotal in his life in raising him in the Lord. And, you know, here's this widow who just faithfully served the Lord and didn't necessarily do tremendous things in an earthly perspective. I mean, she wasn't looked to, oh, you know, so-and-so, she had a big church and a big ministry. She just faithfully raised her children in the Lord, and then he grew up, and he was a district superintendent and and uh, district youth director, and then just a couple years ago, uh, she was 90 years old, and she was able to see her son become the general superintendent mm-hmm. of the Sons of God, which is obviously a large, a very large right. movement, and that's a big position to have. It doesn't mean you're more important than anyone else, right. but right. what a beautiful moment for a mother who is faithful to the Lord, faithful in serving God, and instilling Jesus into her children mm-hmm. to now see her son elevated to this level of influence for the kingdom of God across right. the world. And he said, you know, he enjoyed his mom being able to see that moment come to pass. Mm-hmm. So what a moment when we get to, I'm sure for David, again, just reiterating this fact that he now gets to see something right. beautiful happen in the life of his children that will bring glory to God mm-hmm. as we'll see in Solomon's story. Right. And and for all of us, you know, we, I mean, praying for our kids and, you know, both of my boys, you know, serve the Lord. Uh, but, I, you know, I would hope that when I'm gone, you know, they're not, my boys are not teachers necessarily. They don't, you know, they're not uh, people who can talk on and on like I am. But, um, but you, I would, you should put it in, the, in your will that they have to move back to Carthage and come to, to right. Grace Point and continue to <laughs> continue carry on the, the legacy here. Yes. yes. Well, I did. I, I think I've mentioned it on here before, but I did something for my boys a few years ago that, um, you know, I don't know that they would ever be able to, to do it. I would hope they could, but um, I think I mentioned when I read through the Bible twice in a year and I took one Bible, read through and made notes in it uh, in the first six months for one of my boys. And then I, the second six months of the year, I took the Bible, read through again and made notes for the other one. And I gave those to them for Christmas. Well, you know, if I had the time, I would like to take those back again. That's been several years. Yeah. I'd like to take them back again and go through them again. But if if not, if that never happened, uh, I would hope those boys would be able to maybe do that for 
their kids mm-hmm. at yeah. some point, whether they did it in a year or or maybe they would just transcribe what I wrote in their Bibles into another Bible for their uh, for my grandkids. <laughs> you know, so you're thinking about those things living on. Yeah, you know, it's not about oh I did this great thing. It's so that they have something um, of mine, my words or whatever that that maybe will live on. So. Uh, so anyway, we're all hoping for our children to, to be better, and we are. But verse 49, at this, all Adonijah's guests rose in alarm and dispersed. It's amazing how quickly things change. Uh, you know, all the, you know, Adonijah had to have a spirit of selfishness, of, you know, almost taunting. Well, I know Solomon, my brother. I know he's supposed to be the king. He's always been the favorite, and. Uh, you know, I don't know what went on in those conversations. Obviously, they didn't get along very well, or he wouldn't be trying to take the kingdom away. Yeah. And so, uh, I don't know what his words were, but um, but he had to eat his words. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I don't. You're you're a big uh, fight fan, UFC and yes. all of that. But something popped up on again <laughs> when I was looking through my um, uh, Facebook or whatever. There was a little video that popped up. And I mean, this guy, you know how they, they were, it was a boxing match, but okay. the one guy, man, he was just really giving it to the guy. And, you know, I know you don't speak English, but you'll be speaking English by the time this fight's <laughs> over. You'll be saying, I'm the greatest. And, I mean, he was just really railing on him, you know. In the fight? No. Oh, on the pre fight. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And the other guy never said a word. He just stood there and looked at him. And, you know, well, when the fight started, I mean, the guy that never said a word i mean just beat the tar out of him you know and uh, the last thing you saw was him walking back to the you yeah. know locker room or whatever with his head hanging low and i thought you know maybe that's a little bit of what an, uh adonijah yes. uh he's got his head tucked down now like i've really been defeated here but how quick things can change but uh he was proclaiming himself, well, I'm going to be the king, I'm the next king, and now he's running away with his tail tucked between his legs, scared to death. And, you know, these guys, it said not only Adonijah, but it says the guest rose in alarm and dispersed. I don't know what Adonijah had said to them. You know, I mean, I don't know what kind of promises he had made, but in our culture, again, if you were running for office or... Uh, whatever, and you were trying to get the support of people in our culture, it would be promising big salaries and new cars and a corner office and an expense account. And, you know, so I I don't know, but um, what he, what kind of promises he had made to them, but probably uh, some big promises. Hey, you follow me and, you know, you'll be the big, and now they're all running uh, in fear. And some of these guys were military guys, should have been afraid or should not have been afraid. Yeah. But uh, some of the description I, I read in different versions was talking about these guys when it says they uh, rose in alarm and dispersed. Some of the other wordings were that they were struck with panic. Their courage failed them. They had no spirit left in them. Their hearts became as weak as water. Uh, and, and if you think about these guys running in fear too, you know, most criminals will turn on each other. You know, if you make them a problem, hey, you, you know, you spill the beans here on your partner and we'll let you go, you know. Yeah. And I'll bet you those guys were all the same way. <laughs> you know, as soon as, 
things got bad, bad they, uh, you know, they turned. And I, I even thought, I wonder if they did maybe go running home hoping that David hadn't heard they were, you know, trying to join with Adonijah. Yeah. Oh no, we were never, you know, we were never for him. <laughs> we, we've always been for you, David. He made know? us follow him. Yeah. You know, some of those things like that. Yeah, it was his fault. But um, verse 40, but Adonijah in, in fear of Solomon went back and took hold of the horns of the altar. He was more afraid of Solomon than of David. And we know that David didn't handle Adonijah right. So uh, it says he never talked to him about the wrong things he was doing. So uh, he probably doesn't have a lot of fear of, of David, but maybe he has a lot of fear of Solomon. You know, maybe he has been taunting Solomon over the years. And, you know, you're never, you know how brothers do sometimes. If they really don't get along, uh, you know, you're nothing and I'm better than you are and I'm a better athlete and people like me better and I'm more popular and, uh, you know, Adam and I just probably that kind of guy. Yeah. And uh, I'm not trying to put extra words in here, but we can assume because men, brothers have always been brothers, you know. Um, and Solomon is the one that would have lost something. David's going to die anyway. Yeah. Solomon very well could have... Uh, could have been the one that was mad and could have taken revenge so and i will kind of finish up with this um talks about him taking a hold of the horns of the altar and if you've ever seen any pictures uh, of the altar of sacrifice and this is all a custom it is not a biblical um, requirement necessarily this is not you know, some things we read that are customs, this is the way they did something, doesn't necessarily mean that God said this is the way to do it. It's just a custom that somebody made to um, to remind them of how to worship or, or whatever. So, um, but taking hold of the horns of the altar was not by God's command. It's a, a custom. The horns represented power. Uh, it's... When you had the horns of the altar, that's where the sacrificial animal, if you brought a lamb in, that lamb was tied to those four corners to be sacrificed. And so, uh, again, you can look at some of these things as being very uh, representing Christ. Um, the, the horns of the altar were, uh, they pointed upward and outward to the four corners of the earth. Um, in other words, salvation in our time is offered to all in other words if if we had an altar now back then this is pre-jesus and pre-sacrifice but um, the bible does talk about the son of man being lifted up and anytime an altar is mentioned the altar is always a high place the altars were always placed on a the top of a hill for sacrifice or or whatever so uh, pointing to the four corners of the earth. And when you look at Old Testament, and that's why I like the Old Testament, I've heard, I don't, I don't know that anybody could hardly preach a new sermon out of the New Testament. <laughs> you know, when you've been in the church for your whole life, most sermons uh, that I heard growing up were, most of them were preached out of the New Testament. Yeah. You know, and about the only thing you ever heard preached out of the Old Testament were the big stories. Yeah. You know, yeah. the... David, the flood, right? David, or David and Goliath, mm-hmm. Adam and Eve. No, <laughs> yeah. My wife and I were talking about that the other day. Why don't we 
tell kids more stories in the Bible outside of that. Like our kids' right. programs tend to be right. Adam and Eve, the Noah, the Flood, David and Goliath. And you're like, right. there's way more cool stories to talk about oh, and yeah. truth to teach. Yeah. yeah, if you would say, tell me something about David, the majority of people, you know, we've spent probably over a year talking about, you know, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st Kings here. Uh, we spent all that time talking about David, really, as the, the theme. But most people tell me something about David. They'd say, well, David and Goliath. You know, he killed, yeah. he killed Goliath. And, and, you know, that does make for a, a cool story. Right. But, um, but anyway, uh, most of the things were, were Old Testament that we've, or New Testament that we've heard preached. What I like about the Old Testament and what I've learned over the years is how almost everything points to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I've, yes. I have a series of, of um, CDs that I bought one time from, um, well, it's actually a, a Jewish synagogue in Minnesota. And uh, I just like, you know, the guy's teaching and stuff. But anyway, uh, that series of, of tapes was uh, Messiah in the Old Testament. And it's almost every book of the Old Testament. You can yeah. pull out something. That's why it's points. really hard having, uh, we had my wife work with a Jewish individual closely and our first Passover Seder meal, mm-hmm. you know, we've done that. We did that in a, <clears throat> excuse me, in the home of a Jewish right. family one time. That's probably the most, the coolest I've ever right. had it done because it was from their perspective as, as opposed, but when you're sitting with them, you're always crying out, how do you not, how, how have you not embraced Christ? Mm-hmm. When you're with them, you're like, how have you not, especially when you know that Christ, obviously us being Gentiles have been grafted into the kingdom, mm-hmm. grafted into the body of Christ, but knowing that really Christ is for them first right, and for us second. And you're just like, your heart breaks. You're like, Jesus is for you, right? for you. Not, I mean, he is for me, but like he, he longs for you. And just, just, just again, you see all throughout the old Testament, the, the messianic references and pointing to Christ and now right. Christ has come and yet there's this whole people group that God so desperately wants to connect with that they're mm-hmm. not embracing that it's just interesting well when they were on the road to Emmaus you know the disciples said you know they didn't recognize Jesus and when he said what are you guys talking about and they began to tell him and he's they said we had hoped he was the one you know mm-hmm. they had doubts they they believed all along and then after he after he died, they were, we had hoped he was the one. And, and so for the Jewish, and there are Messianic Jews. There are people who yes. believe Jesus was yeah. Messiah. Uh, so there's two different ones. And, you know, like we did the other night, we kind of make almost a little joke out of it, setting a plate for Elijah, you know, that Elijah's coming to announce the coming of Messiah. Well, you know, we can still kind of practice that because we are looking, but we're looking for the second coming. You know, uh, if you're Jewish and don't believe Jesus was Messiah, you're looking for Elijah to come and announce the Messiah. Yeah. And I can't imagine living your whole life. You talk about broken dreams and yeah. unfulfilled expectations yes. to every year symbolically, I know, to go through that. But to think you're looking for the first Messiah. Yeah. He wasn't the one, you know. And so... Uh, you're right. I, I can't imagine, and I can't imagine when you read all this stuff how you cannot see that it pointed towards Jesus. 
not just a Messiah, yes. but that Messiah. Yep. And it's not, we said it before, it's just not coincidental, you know, that all those things point towards him. And when you begin to read through that Old Testament, and that's almost every every book of the Bible somewhere points towards him. So yeah. final thought, final thought here, Rick, for the day in this episode. Well, I just think with uh, with all of these things that we need to be so careful about, uh, you know, number one, trying to lift ourselves up. You know, I'm going to be king. I'm going to be whatever it is. You know, pastor. I'm going to do this. I don't care what God said. I don't care what the custom is. I, I don't care who it hurts. Uh, you know, the selfishness of, of self-promotion. And it happens on smaller scales, you know, within churches. And, uh, you know, none of us, I mean, humility, some people may say humility comes very easy. But we all want some kind of recognition, some kind of, yeah. um, you know, thanks or something um, so we all have something in us that wants to be lifted up I guess to be important or to matter I guess but yes. Adonijah just took it too far yeah. and went outside of what God had in store maybe God had great things in store for Adonijah yeah but he chose the wrong thing because maybe he needed to be the Sunday school teacher and not the pastor <laughs> you know yeah. but he wasn't satisfied it's interesting when I read this that how we we blatant so in my notes here in my Bible study just saying that uh, the altar the horns were symbolic of God's mercy forgiveness and protection Adonai should try to take refuge at the altar believing that Solomon would not kill him in such a sacred place right but it's amazing how we blatantly do wrong mm-hmm. and then we run to the altar right right we know we, we, I mean, Adonijah intentionally, this whole story, again, go back and read it if you didn't. Right. It is an intentional setup right. to seize the throne. This wasn't like, right. oh, I didn't know what I was doing, Lord. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, you know, I don't know how the priest and the right. altar just got there and I got anointed and all the people were just there. Yeah. And, you know, isn't that sin too? Sometimes when we, we, we talk about other sins or failings in our life where, you know, like sometimes we can just kind of say, oh, it just kind of happened. I don't right. know how, it, you know, but usually our sins and our downfalls are the result of multiple decisions and choices right. along the path. And then we get to that spot and then we cry out for mercy. Then right. then we run to the altar right. after we've blatantly done wrong and we're like, okay, Lord, now forgive me. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of crazy. But here's what's crazy about God is that he will forgive right. even even if we are blatant we have blatantly sinned that's the reason we had right. re- Easter and the resurrection because we blatantly sinned against God and he still forgave us and that's the power of God so I just encourage you today if you're you know you might be a failure you might be intentionally failing you should run to the altar you should run yes. to Jesus for grace and mercy and forgiveness and here's what's crazy even if you have done something stupid intentional but your heart is right and you're willing to respond to God he'll forgive you uh, and we'll kind of see the ending of Adonijah's story but hey God bless you guys I want to encourage you go check out some of our last episodes we had a three-part series called using your gifts we had a new episode called live like a rock star that just came out so keep joining us on the Grace Point daily journey we'll talk to you later <laughs>